Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. This week's message comes from Assistant Pastor Reverend Vincent Joplin. Let's go ahead and jump in this this text, uh, John chapter 5. I'm going to read it uh, for you one more time. So we all have know we've been in this series, the five questions of Jesus. And the first question that was asked uh, was, why are you afraid? The second one, who do you say that I am? Uh, the, the third one, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And then the fourth one that Eli preached last week, my God, why have you forsaken me? And tonight we're going to land the plane on the fifth question. So let's look at John 5, 1 through 15. I'll read the New Living Translation. If it's on the screen, you can follow along as well. And then we'll be out of here. Here it goes. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays or Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was a pool of Bethesda with five porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? What do you think, Jesus? I love Jesus, but I'm like, what you, 38 years, what you think? Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the waters bubble up. Someone else always get there ahead of me. Uh, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man, who has cured or who has cured? You, you, you can't work on the, uh, the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry the sleeping man, I would have went off on them. I'm like, man, did you know I've been sick for 38 years? But he replied, uh, but he replied, the man who healed me uh, told me, he said, pick up your bed and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. And the man didn't know. For Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well. Stop sinning or something else worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders it was Jesus who had healed him. (laughs) He didn't know, but he knew then. And if somebody told me that verse in 14, I I think I'd know who they are as well. Now, John, he's not specific. It doesn't tell us what. Uh, which uh, the feast it is. We know it's one of the feasts. We don't know if it's Passover. We don't know uh, if it's Pentecost or Tabernacle. Those are some fancy names from the Old Testament. We don't know. But whichever one it was, it drew a great multitude. When we say multitude, we mean thousands. That There are thousands of people around this pool. And just to kind of give you some imagery, just think of an Olympic-sized pool more than Olympic size. They're still unpacking this thing. They're still, they're still digging it up to this day. Uh, just, just imagine just, just 14, feet, uh, 14 feet deep, just going down and down and down, just huge. They're, they're all laying around here. And, and the word Bethesda, it means house of mercy. So, so here are all these thousands of people hanging around this quote-unquote Olympic-sized pool plus some who are in need of mercy. 
They're in a place called the house of mercy, and they're in need of mercy. And Jesus only comes to one person. He only comes to one person among the thousands in this crowd. He saw this man. The man didn't see him. Jesus knew the man. The man didn't know him. And Jesus asked him a life-altering question. So no matter what translation you read, you may have read the old King James Version that said, Wilt thou be made whole? Uh, It doesn't matter if you read a translation that says, Do you want to get well? Would you like to get well? Do you want to be healed? His question confronts a deeper issue within our soul. And unlike doctors today, Jesus wasn't practicing on him. I've been sick before, gone to the doctor, and really it's a practice. They're trying to figure out if this works. I've had sinus infection. I said, try this and then try this. He wasn't practicing. Uh, when I was younger, uh, we called the people the seasoned saints who were older than us. They called Jesus the great physician because he already knew what cure we needed. And he already knew that there was a need deeper than what you saw on the surface. It was a spiritual and emotional need. He knows when there's an emptiness there. He knows the need we may have for forgiveness. He knows the need that we have to be delivered from shame or anger or resentment or bitterness or just simply dead works or dead religion. He already knows when he asks us the question, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? He already knows. And the man doesn't answer his question. You ever talk to people and you ask them a question, they start talking about other stuff? And you're like, no, that's not what I asked you. I asked you if you want to go get something to eat. You know, it's a pretty day outside, but are you hungry? (laughs) Let's go do something. Let's go get something to eat. People sometimes don't answer your questions. And he, he doesn't answer the question. He responds another way. And we don't know if the man was born with this condition. We don't know if he was 38 years old. We don't know if the condition happened later on in life and he just was much older and he had it for 38 years. But what we do know is this, y'all. He felt helpless and he felt hopeful. I'll explain. He felt helpless because he didn't have the support system he thought he needed. You ever been there? Where you just felt like, I don't don't have the people, the support that I need to get it done? He he didn't have the support system he thought he needed. So so he doesn't answer Jesus' question. He, He responds with what was probably replaying in his mind for 38 years. I can't. I have no one. Someone else gets there ahead of me. I can't. I have no one. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. He answers with helplessness. I can't. I have no one. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And feeling helpless can be mentally emotionally paralyzing, can it? 
feeling helpless. It'll make us depressed, especially for those of us who are used to being independent for so long. I went to go visit my father uh, in Ripley, Tennessee. It's about an hour and a half away. My dad's a pastor. And, and when I saw my mom this morning, uh, I went to go preach for my dad. When I saw my mom this morning, one thing she said to me was, I, I don't need you as a son right now. I'd rather have you as a pastor. And she started crying. She said, I, I don't know how to do this with your dad right now. He had hip replacement surgery. And there's some things that his body cannot control right now. He's 83. She's 74. He said, I just, I, I, I don't know what to do. And she felt so helpless in that moment. And she's so used to being independent. You ever been there? Caregivers know when you feel exhausted and just like, I don't know what else to do. But here's the paradox. Even though the man felt helpless, he also felt hopeful. But his hope was misdirected. How so? And it wasn't just for him. It was for those who were there as well. He, along with so many others, they had placed their hope in something other than God. It was actually a superstition. It was a superstition that this angel, if you read the King James or another translation, it says that an angel would come down and move the water, and the first one in would be healed. And in some Bible translation, uh, verse 4 isn't there, but it's been included so that we would have context of why these people were gathered around this pool. Now, hear me good. I'm not saying that God doesn't or didn't use unconventional means or peculiar methods to do miraculous things. We know that God can do whatever God wants to do. Amen? Amen. But what we do see is this. Jesus provided an opportunity to redirect his hope. And Jesus wants our hope ultimately to be found in him. Not in something created, not in a created being, not in created things, but ultimately he wants our hope to be found in him and in him alone. Yes, he can use other stuff, but it must be found in Christ. So Jesus, he tells me, he says, stand up. He says, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed. And he rolled up the sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Now, Jesus could have healed the man on Thursday. He could have healed him on Friday. <laughs> he could have healed him on Sunday. But he heals him on the Sabbath day. Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew he, knew he was messing with those folk. And the leaders were mad when they saw this man carrying this makeshift bed around. And they went off on him because he was breaking the law. He was working. And he, he told the guy who was healed, he told him to go do it. And they wanted to know who told you this. But he still didn't know that it was Jesus who healed him. And the religious leaders were mad when they saw him. But this is what the religious leaders did. They made life harder for those trying to follow God because they kept adding to the law. And the Sabbath had become a burden. I don't want church to be a burden. 
Who wants to come to church and be like, I hate this place, but I'm going to church because that's what we do. They made the Sabbath a burden. And whenever we add to God's word or take away from God's word, life becomes a burden. And they made this life a burden. And Jesus wasn't against religion. He wasn't anti-religion. Jesus wasn't anti-law. But Jesus cared more about people than about policies. You know, people that are just really rigid, they got to keep the rules. It's all about the rules. And you're like, don't break the rules. And you're like, did you love anybody? Matthew 5, 17 says this. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And then in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus says what that purpose is. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophet are based on these two commands. See, Jesus' issue with the Pharisees and the Sadducees was this, that they loved their power, they loved their control, they loved their authority, they loved their rules more than people. That's a shame. They, they loved their power. They loved their authority, loved their rules more than people. I have a friend. Uh, this friend of mine is a state trooper in Arkansas. He lives in West Memphis, Arkansas. He's a state trooper in Arkansas. And back in uh, 2002, I was going to be a, a, a trooper for Tennessee, and I passed the test, y'all. But you can see God had other plans. <laughs> I was just running. I was trying to figure out other ways to get out of this thing, right? No, I was, I was trying to do something else. Uh, but he, he shared with me this funny thing. He shared with me a question they used to ask on the exam in Arkansas. I don't know if they still ask it, but this is the question. If you caught your mother stealing a pack of gum, in a convenience store, would you arrest her? Don't try to answer too quick. <laughs> Somebody said, sure would. They said, if you, if you caught your mother stealing a pack of gum in a convenience store, would you arrest her? The ones who wrote yes failed the exam. They failed the exam. Why? He said, because they couldn't risk hiring troopers who lack compassion. If they didn't have enough compassion to show their mother's mercy for a small offense, they would be in danger for the whole state. If they didn't have compassion to show mercy, they would be a danger. And Jesus was showing us what love looked like and the Jewish leaders totally missed it. They totally missed it. Now, 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 Jesus, he finds this man. He's in the temple and he tells him this. He says, stop sinning or something worse might happen to you. That's a scary verse, y'all. <laughs> stop sinning or, or something worse might happen to you. Now, we could debate whether Jesus was referring to a particular sin 
or, or particular sins or, 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 or the sin of being bound to the law again. Whatever Jesus meant, that man knew. Whatever it was, he knew, and it was between him and Jesus. Amen? And the guy immediately went and told the Jewish leaders, Jesus healed me. Now, he didn't wait till the next day. He didn't wait a couple weeks. And maybe he was excited. I don't know. Maybe it was a sense of honoring the authority of those who asked him the question. Maybe it was that he had a sense of gratitude. Whatever the reason, whatever the reason, he went and told them it was Jesus. And whenever you and I get a chance to tell our stories of transformation, we need to tell people it was Jesus. That we need to give the credit to Jesus no matter what. It was Jesus. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you do ask us tough questions. But not so we can fail the test. But so that we can become closer to you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openeisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.